Blog Talk Radio. by Jamie Lee Thurston, which is one of the theme songs that we play here at Off the Chain Radio Show. I'm your host, Yvonne Mason, and I want to welcome each and every one of you to tonight's show. I took last week off um, for a couple of nights, and I want to thank my friend and fellow author, Ian Bush, for covering for me. He said it was a to be able to do radio shows so he got his he got to cut his teeth on my shows and did an excellent excellent job so thank you for that Ian I want to welcome each and every one of you like I said and and let you know that because of y'all I know y'all get to me saying it but I'm still going to say it because it's not my show it's your show it's you the listener it's you the guest and and the guests keep coming back I love my guests they are absolutely phenomenal but just on this show alone, ladies and gentlemen, 132,000-plus listeners just on the show. That does include all the podcasts we're on now, which includes Reverb Nation, iHeartRadio, Spotify, YouTube, iTunes, YouTube, iTunes, 
podcast.com, podcast garden, SoundCloud, Spreaker, MixCloud, FM.com, TuneIn Radio, and various and sundry other podcasts that are put up by a third party. This show has grown so fast in two years that it's like a runaway train. I'm, my hand's just on the throttle and y'all are along and I appreciate it. And there's two ways to get on this show, ladies and gentlemen. One is to come on as a guest. Because we're heard in over 200 countries, I never charge you to come on this show as a guest. Never charge, because it is my way of paying it forward. If you want to be a sponsor for the show, for 10 bucks a month, that's how many shows I have in that month, I'll run your ad. Or I will read the ad. And if you have to read my husband is very, very ill, and his time is short. The ad goes with the show, so you do not lose any any time at all having your ad um, introduced on the show. Contact me at offthechainradio at yahoo.com. And also, we have started a new thing off the chain. We are offering um, PR work for artists and authors and anyone else out there that, that wants to, to get some PR out there. You will find that on my notes section on my page, Yvonne Mason. And that also comes with ads for the show. So check it all out and let me know what y'all want to do because we're going to keep going here off the chain. Three of my um, sponsors that I want to start the show off with is John Isaac Jones. And he has a cute little book called Alabama Stories. It's filled with little short stories that are written through the perspective of a 12-year-old boy in rural Alabama in the late 1950s. This book is absolutely amazing. I read this book and could not put it down. I I had to read every story. And when all the short stories were finished, I was really ticked off because I read them all in one fell swoop and didn't put it in for a while. So it's John Isaac Jones, Alabama Stories. J. Travis Helton, who has been on this show as well, she has a book out called The Infant Conspiracy. It's available on Amazon, both as a paperback and an ebook, and it starts a few years after rebooting The Oberlin's Left Off. Noel and Violet Oberlin spent their adult careers working special assignments for the U.S. government, which was a family tradition of service. After 40 years, all they wanted was a peaceful retirement in the country. And just as it seemed that dream might happen, an unplanned series of events forced their overachieving adult children to return home to live with the folks. All four of them driven out of their home by different aspects of a government that had gone quite in. Ty, a geneticist with Zania, his wife, Gabriel, a bomb expert turned nurse with their grandson, Little Cave, Jasmine, a forensic psychiatrist married to Scott, a CPA, joined their little siblings still living at home. Micah, an autistic savant, and Serena, an artist, and uncovering a secretive group of people led by the ice lady, whose main goal appears to be to take the Earth's population down from 7 billion to 500 million within the next 10 years. Having filtered the governments of most developed countries and, and released an airborne anti-fertility virus, Brotherhood succeeded in enforcing a zero fertility rate. In the meantime, the economy of the U.S. tanked. The government sells all citizens who have debt into slavery within a system so harsh that it's still Serenity retreat centers forced to become a slave labor camp. The family is compelled into special service to save the center, their tribe, the United States, and humanity from extinction. So if you thought retirement was simply about money, this book will change your mind. And last but not least, Diane Moat who has also been on the show, is, has written a series called the Sam Holden series. And she is our favorite vigilante. Work in the series has just been released. And Dog Bones, Sam's quest to avenge abused animals, is threatened when the FBI comes after her on one side and the commissioner wants her dead on the other side. Will her double life be exposed? Will Sam be able to protect the animals? Her friend. Check out Dog Bones by Diane Moat everywhere ebooks are sold. And if you haven't started the series yet, be sure to begin with Dog Gone. Now, after all that housekeeping is done, 
let's get on with our guest tonight. He has been on before, and he's always so much fun to talk to because his family's from my favorite place in the whole world. Author Marty Rocklett was born and raised in Cleveland, Ohio. He was brought up with Grimm's fairy tales at bedtime. Marty ran a horror novels that his mother borrowed from the local library by contemporary masters of the horror genre, Stephen King, Dean Coon, and Peter Straub. And it's a small wonder because Marty's parents emigrated from Transylvania. Marty's original profession was acting. He lived in New York for a while and appeared in a few shows off-Broadway at the Spectrum Theater and as an extra on the soap opera Guiding Life. After returning to Cleveland, he continued acting on stage in local commercials and training films and cable films. Marty also worked a wide variety of day and night jobs. He's cleaned swimming pools, delivered newspapers, been a security guard, waited tables, and tended bar. I hope not all at one time. Today, when he's not writing a new short story or novel, he works as a Starbucks barista. He enjoys finding ways to use his diverse life experience to enhance his storytelling. He also has a pet project which involves the homeless shelter there in Cleveland. And always a bit controversial to bad press, but no fault of the men living there. So the donations have dwindled down to almost nothing. So what Marty did is he made a difference. One short story at a over four years, he wrote four short stories, which he published and sold online to raise money for St. Herman's, and he continues to look for ways to help the home. He lives in northern Illinois with his wife, Becky, and their eccentric cat, Fritz, and Mortal Foe is his first novel. Welcome back, Marty. I am Thank so you glad so you're here tonight. You know, I think it was pre predestined, preordained, as I say, for you to be on this show, especially tonight. And I thank you so, so much because our little chat before we went live, you don't know how much it helped me. I appreciate it. Oh, gosh, I hope so because, I mean, it's it's all heartfelt. It all comes from the heart. Well, thank you. It, it, Ladies and gentlemen, for those of you all who do not know, not only is my husband ill, but over the weekend I lost my 88-year-old mother, and I am not able to go to the funeral if I have to stay here and take care of my husband because my first responsibility is to him. So, let's get up to date. What have you been doing, my friend? I have been trying desperately to figure out how to market mortal, mortal foe it's a very steep learning curve for me because it's not an area that i am well versed in i can mix you a drink i don't know how to market something uh, why didn't you get in contact with me i tell you how to market that's my well, expertise going, you know we're, i'm, I'm going to be talking with you about that uh there are a couple of things that I have been doing uh, as, as far as trying to learn it. I have a, uh, an author friend of mine who is actually a customer at my Starbucks. Uh, his name is um, uh, John, uh, John uh, Kasich, and he has written several biographies, one of, uh, one of which is a biography on, uh, on uh, Nikola Tesla. And he's very, uh, a very well-known writer in this area. And I asked him, we sat down, he was gracious enough to give me about an hour and a half. Wow. And we sat down and we talked about it, uh, marketing. And what it really kind of came down to for him was to cast a wide net. And yeah. I thought, well, that's interesting because I've heard uh, when you read some experts online, they tell you to, to focus, to be very focused on a certain this or a certain that. <laughs> And uh, John's advice was was completely opposite. He said, "Cast a wide net, get get it out on local radio, get it out into the uh, local bookshops, which is what I've been doing lately, driving around to uh, seven or eight different local uh, mom and pop shops, the uh, independent bookstores, which I just love. I love walking into an independent bookstore. They're so cool. Oh my God. Yes. They are the, the the things that you will find there that you will not find at Barnes and Noble are are just it's it, there's a completely different feel there's a different vibe when you walk into one of those stores. Feel like you're at home, don't you? Oh gosh, yeah, yeah. And boy, if I'm not careful, I could spend hours there that I would need, you know, spend, <laughs> that I should spend marketing mortal foe. Um, there's there's one in uh, Grays Lake, Illinois, which is right where I have my Starbucks, where I work at that Starbucks. 
It's called This Old Book. And they are just such wonderful people. When you walk in, they have it, – it's mostly secondhand books in, in excellent condition, but they have a section right by the door, right at the door at the entranceway, where they showcase local authors. Sweet. So the first thing you see when you walk in are local authors' work, and uh, my immortal foe is going to be right up there. Um, a lot of uh, a lot of the local bookstores are willing to do that. It's really kind of cool. It's it's very uh, very gracious on their part and very helpful to us. Well, they also understand because they are independent bookstores how difficult it is for us as independent authors to get out there because a we don't have the mm-hmm. funding to get out into the into the world and b we don't have the PR people behind the big six to go right. out and do our talking for us, so we have to do it ourselves. Right. And and right. one thing I learned about marketing and, and it goes back to what your friend says, it's it's an eighty twenty a scenario and in sales after you learned a long time ago, you hit up a hundred people and the ratio of them responding is eighty to twenty. So mm-hmm. you cast that wide net. Because if right. if you hit a thousand people and you get a hundred, that's excellent. And that's the that's the the, the 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 idea that made the most sense to me. I could try to focus strictly on trying to find those uh, people who still like the horror, uh, paranormal, thriller genre, um, and trying to uh, trying to target them. And I, and I did try to do that for a while. But they never give you any specific um, plan for targeting those precise people. Now, they say you should target them, and then they give you, give you this kind of vague, well, okay, this is how you do it. <laughs> they, don't how, know. Is, they don't know. They don't know how to do how it. 20 other authors did it. Okay, great. Thank you. But that, how does that help me? Should I try but what it, 20 other authors did, and how is no. that not casting a wide net? What well, you do, uh, Marty, is is – and I learned this many, many years ago because you've known me long enough to know that I play by my own rules. Oh, I yeah. create my own rules. <laughs> and they work for you. so Yeah, they do. So what you do is you learn how to think outside of the box. What's the most mm. outrageous thing that I could do to get someone's attention about my book? And you go out and you do that thing. I don't want to go to jail. No, I'm not saying illegal. I'm saying outrageous. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I see. And, and, and yep. don't, there you go. Thank you for being specific there. <laughs> and you and don't be afraid to try it. For instance, mm. if there if there is a local park in your area, what you do is you put a thing in your local paper and you and and it could read something like this. Okay, uh, Saturday, September the fifteenth. There will be a reading in the park by author Marty Roplett. He will be reading excerpts from his book, Mortal Foe. Mm-hmm. Come join the fun and maybe have a few snacks, a few drinks. And, and, it's, and as you're, as you're, you may have one or two people show up, but I guarantee you, because people are naturally curious creatures, more will wander in because you're reading uh-huh. out loud and people hear you. Yeah. That's a, that's a great idea, and I want to I want to look into something like that. Um, I've been in contact with one of the local libraries, and I've got five or six more that I want to contact about giving a, a, a book talk. Absolutely. You know, it doesn't necessarily have to be specifically about mortal foe, but what I came up with was uh, I looked at foe and I thought, no, well, what are the boil it, boiling it down to one of its main elements. I came up with a book talk called uh, um, Baseball and Boogeymen, America's Paranormal Pastime. Oh, I love it. And focusing on the, 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 how we still, even in this modern advanced age, we tend to uh, look at paranormal and say, wow, okay, there's, here's some stuff that science hasn't really explained and why not? And, a lot of times we're afraid that that's a, that's a natural thing, too. We uh-huh. fear the things that we do not understand. 
Oh, you're taking so, a card out of my playbook. I love it. Then we get we we we, add, we we look at the baseball element. Now, a friend of mine, uh, I, and I mentioned him on the last show, Frank Lucas. We've been friends for gosh for 35 years. He comes into town from Cleveland twice a year, usually at uh, New Year's and once in the summer. And in the summer, we go to a, a Chicago Cubs baseball game because he's a big Cubs fan. And I'm an Indians fan, so I'm a Cubs fan too. I understand the Cubs, that long, long history of losing. And the Indians have that too. And we went to the game yesterday. <laughs> the Cubs just got <laughs> hammered. It was, it was oh, bloody and ugly. But the Cubs have this what they called for until they beat the Indians, ironically, in 2016 in the World Series, the curse of the goat. And if you're not familiar with that, in, 1940, in the 1945 series, I think it was, I think it's 45, uh, 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 the Cubs were in the World Series against the, the Detroit Tigers, and uh, they were playing in Chicago. And a man who named William Cianis, he owned a place called the Billy Goat Tavern. He had a pet billy goat, billy goat named Murphy, and he wanted to take it into the game. It was game four. And accounts differ at this point. Some accounts, the one that, that I go with, is that he got the game, the goat into the game, into the stands, but the smell bothered other patrons around, the, around him. <laughs> the, the fans were complaining about the smell, so he and his goat were asked to leave. And he turned to, uh, he turned to the, the, the ushers and said, them Cubs ain't going to win no more. He cursed them, and they lost that game. They lost that series, and they never won another series again until 2016. Now, the GOAT curse doesn't explain why they didn't win a game since 1908 before 1945. <laughs> uh, uh, maybe there was another curse. I don't know. But that was, that's, that's lore in Chicago. That's part of the, part of the tapestry of... Chicago lore is the Chicago Cubs goat curse. And, you know, it's, it's kind of, if, if, if you don't look at the, the period from 1908 to 1945, you look at that and you go, well, okay, maybe there's something to this. Because they would lose playoff games and they would lose World Series games in the dumbest ways, in the strangest, craziest ways. Um, there was the, the, uh, the Bartman incident where this fan caught a foul ball on the, off of the third base stands that one of the fielders thought he could get. It looked pretty close. He might have been able to get it. But because there was fan interference, the batter was safe. The Cubs went on to lose that game, and they went on to lose the, you know, the, it was just they, they didn't get to the World Series that year. It was a playoff game. But this poor guy was hounded out of town. I remember that. They, he actually had to leave yeah. town because of the death that. threats. And I thought, oh, my gosh, you, you people are crazy. <laughs> <laughs> the, the Indians have lost a couple of series, too, but you folks are nuts. <laughs> well, Chicago is, is a city unto itself. I'm, I'm, I think it's in the water, though. Marty, I, I really think it's in the water. <laughs> well, it's either in the water uh, I, or the air. I think it's partly uh, it might partly be that because we don't know what's all in Lake Michigan really, um, but That's true. I, I personally think a lot of it is because is, is the makeup of the city. There are a lot of people of Eastern European descent here, a lot of different areas, and um, like my family from Romania, from Transylvania. That there's a lot of superstition that comes along with a lot of those mm-hmm. people. Yep. And it just makes me wonder how much of that leaches into the the fabric of the city itself, you know, everybody else starts yeah. believing some of this stuff and, you know, <laughs> well, what some of it can't be explained. And and that is true. I mean, you think of it, the tapestry of a city is, is the environment and the traditions and the, the culture of the people that make up that city. And we mm-hmm. all came, our ancestors all came from someplace and yeah. Chicago is, is a mixture, like you say, of Eastern Europeans and people from Romania, and I'm sure there's a little German mixed in there. Oh yeah, you got people. You have, you've got the Polish, you've got the Czechs, you've got the Slovenians, you've got, and they all bring their own 
um, I, when I started doing some uh, um, some research for my my library talks, I looked up boogeyman, the term boogeyman, where it comes from, and I found out that the different countries have different uh, ideas of what the boogeyman is. Many of them tend to lean toward some entity that grabs kids who do not behave. They don't go to bed or they cry too much or something like that. Some way they don't behave, and it's a way to keep the kids in line. But there are some others that really they get into more more of what we think of as paranormal behavior, and it's got to find its way into life somehow if a child especially is being told that uh, Coco Man is a, a Mexican Spanish uh, uh, entity who looks like a coconut he's got the he's got the big hairy face and the and the three you know the the two eyes and the and the mouth it looks like a coconut and he will come and take you away if you are if you don't go to bed and you don't uh, if you don't stop misbehaving well if you're told that when you're 3 years old it's kind of like me being uh, read the Grimm's fairy tales at some point it, it grabs onto you on some level, and you carry that. Mm-hmm. You know, it has to. I don't, I don't becomes, see how it doesn't do that. It becomes a part of who you are. And, and yes. the, the things that we do to our children. <laughs> <laughs> it's really, somebody said to me that the Grimm's, the Grimm's fairy tales are child abuse. And, you know, I don't know, it's kind of hard to argue that in a way when you look at it from the modern perspective. But at the time when my mom was reading it, it wasn't child abuse. It was what she grew up with. Well, and, and I always like Grimm's fairy tales, but then I'm kind of strange anyway. And my children, <laughs> <laughs> my children grew up with Grimm's fairy tales. Oh, I love them. I still love them. I still love them. I live. I still every once in a while I'll trot them out and I'll read them, and it still gets, makes my skin crawl just a little bit, which I I enjoy. I enjoy that. Well, okay. Let's 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 take Hansel and Gretel for instance. What the devil were those two children doing in a forest by themselves anyway? Well, yeah. There you go. I'm sorry. You don't like your mother and uh, your your, uh, your stepmother. Well, you know what? Just you know, suck it up. Find a way around it. Okay. Wait till you're older. <laughs> Yeah. And and then um what um what was the other one um that was so vivid? Um the one with the wolf. Oh, uh Little Red Riding Hood. Yeah. Or, or is I, it I, I know a is lot that the one of, you think of Little Red Riding Hood? Yeah, I know a lot of adults that are wolves. Men especially. <laughs> oh gosh, yeah. <laughs> so oh, gosh, are they yeah. No. You you know how to get rid of a wolf? <laughs> well, they are cautionary tales. If you take them at their root, okay, yeah, you want to keep the kids in line. You want to get them to bed. You want to get them to, you know, stop crying or or elbowing each other or whatever it is they're doing. You want them to get them to stop, and that's how you do it. But they're also cautionary tales. Yes. Oh, there was a um, a local theater company called Dream Theater, and they used to do some really, really off the wall stuff here in Chicago. My sister-in-law, Rachel, is an actress. Uh, she's a professional actress, and she used to work with them a lot. And they did a, um, a collection of these cautionary tales, and they called it, um, oh, gosh, uh, The Bad Children or something like that. We went to see this, and it's like all these stories that I'd been told when, we were, when, when, when I was a kid. And these adult actors are playing these kids, and then these kids are together in a room where they're put by their parents and they tell these tales about what their parents have told them. There's the one with the, uh, the, the, um, the kid who sucks his thumb and the, uh, uh, the tailor comes with his long shears and slices his thumb off because he wouldn't stop sucking, sucking his thumb. <laughs> and uh, there's the one uh, with the, uh, the, the, the young girl who, keeps looking up into the sky and not where she's going. She looks up in the sky and looks up and keeps walking, and, and she eventually runs and uh, walks in front of an ox cart and has her, uh, has her legs sheared off. <laughs> I mean, it's, that's not, these are not stories that any modern parent would tell their four- or five-year-old kid. 
you know, that's that's the, these are the times we live in now. But at the time when we were kids, yeah, we had. I remember my mom had a, a book with this stuff illustrated. Thank you very much. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, we're looking at these. Here's this picture of this guy with these giant shears, and he's got them on the kid's thumb. You don't see the kid's thumb actually cut off, but you know, even kids can put two and two together and figure out what happens next. Well, and the the thing is, let's go back to to Hansel and Gretel. Uh, we teach our children not to take candy from strangers. Why not do it in a cautionary tale? Well, it yeah. resonates with them. Sure, I think they get it more. I think it I think it sticks more with them. And uh, when you tell a look look when you tell a kid not to do something, what's the first thing that kid's going to want to do? He's going to go do it. You know. But if you if you give them a tail that scares the snot out of them, <laughs> you know, chances well, are slimmer that he's going to go and do that thing. When when my children were small, and I would be in the car with them and they would misbehave, mm. I would threaten to put them out. Yeah. <laughs> <And, laughs> do it. Well, and and one day they wouldn't listen. They just kept on and kept on and kept on. I said, okay, fine. And and I was in an area that I knew they'd be safe. So I pulled over. I said, get out of the car. And they looked at me like, what? I said, get out. Of, and we we were going to my children race bicycles. We were going to the track. I said, get out of the car. I said, I'll throw you of you out of the car. And the little one said, but mom, I said, no, get out of the car. I'm tired of you. I'm through. I'm over it. I'm done. Get out of the car. So oh they crawled out of the car and shut the door. And I just drove up about. 50 feet and watched them in the rear view mirror. <laughs> <laughs> it got them in line, didn't it? Yeah, it got their attention. I have not raised a child. Uh, we, we, we don't have kids, but I'm, I can see what happens when you, <laughs> when you allow the kids <laughs> to run the show. Every day, it's like the lunatics are running the asylum. Oh, you are not lying. Every day, at, 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 in the drive-through window at Starbucks, I can tell pretty much who's running the show by what the atmosphere in the car is when when they roll down the window. And and don't let don't don't let don't let adults fool you. You cannot reason with a child. They don't have the brain cells to be reasoned with. You do no. it because I tell you to. I'm the parent. You're the child. You do it. That's what they used I have to never, boy, this whole this whole you know timeout mentality. I've never held with that because me either. It, what a kid's doing is not you know, the kid's not in the corner thinking about how sorry he is he that he did what he did. He's thinking he's about what he's going to do next. Exactly. And on that note, let's take a quick break. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Off the Chain. I'm your host, Yvonne Mason, with my guest, the one and only Martin M. Rufflet. And yes. You have to get his book, Mortal Foe, which we will talk about shortly. But right now we're talking about raising children and the absurdity of today's parents. And we will be right back. Horses See Ghosts, a new poetry book by Gannat Wise. It's been called Poetry for the Rest of Us. Amazon. Do you have cougars on your porch swing? Are horses your new best friend? Do your nicest shoes get buried knee-deep in snow as your toes turn blue? Are you bothered by wolves at your woodpile? No, not that kind of wolf. Join wildlife artist and author Nancy Quinn and her family as they discover an exciting new life in Go West, Young Woman, a true Montana adventure. Available online and in bookstores. Or... Visit QuinnWildlifeArt.com for a personalized signed copy. Critics agree, it's a hoot. A struggling city, its beloved baseball team, an antique camera, and photos from that camera that bear an image from the pit of hell, an entity only a select few can see. Journalism professor Buddy Cullen is determined to track this demon down. But who is the hunter and who is the prey? And who will be the next target of mankind's mortal foe? Mortal Foe. Available at Amazon.com. 
Hi, this is Winona and Jade inviting you to join us and our wonderful guests on the And I Thought Women's Cave podcast on Blog Talk Radio to learn more about our books, the And I Thought series, and the Misfit Guides. They're available on Amazon.com and BarnesandNobles.com. Or just to see what your ladies are up to, you can find all of that out on www.andwethought.com. Dot com. So peace and love from Winona and Jade and our books. <laughs> you so silly. silly. You silly. Remember Did you write that? That's funny. <laughs> Remember to visit us at andwethought.com. The year, 1888. The place, London's East End. Dead and mutilated bodies are popping up all over, from Stamford to Whitechapel. Jack the Ripper is leaving his mark, and the city's on edge. Yvonne Mason is back with a tale of murder and millinery. The Rhodes Hat Factory is booming while the body count rises. Why now? How are these hats connected? Has the Hatter gone mad? Mad Hatter from Yvonne Mason. Available now on Amazon.com. And we are back with our chain. I'm your host, Yvonne Mason, with my guest, the one and only Martin M. Rupplet. And we were discussing today's parenting skills, which in most cases are seriously lacking. <laughs> they read books. I'm, I'm going to hear about this. <laughs> they can tell them to call me. And uh, I, I was raising children when I was five years old, so I'm I'm pretty much an expert raising kids. <laughs> you, you've raised children. I'm glad I have you as an ally on this because my my opinion is my opinion. It might not be the opinion of those on this show, but uh, I guess it is. But <laughs> it's, well, I'm sorry, what, what you can't. I, what, the kids are not equipped to do certain things. No. It's and as what, simple what as that. They have to learn to do certain things, and and you're asking them to do something they're not equipped to do is not fair to them. Well, it doesn't teach them anything for one thing, and for another thing, it doesn't teach them that in life there are rules, and when you break the rules, you get in trouble. And I used to tell the children when they try to go off of me, I'd say, look, this is not a dynasty. You do not have a vote. It's a monarchy, and I am the queen bitch. Now get it on. <laughs> well, you're not. You're setting the kids up to fail if you do that, in, in my opinion. Absolutely. If, if the home has no rules and the kid learns no rules, in the home, because there are none, what's going to happen when he goes out in the real world, real world where there are rules? Well, you're going to have he, he, gonna he's have not going to know any rules. Well, and 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 they're going to want safe spaces and their blankets and coloring books and bubbles to blow and to suck their mm. thumb and and say you're being mean to me. Guess what? Get over it. Life is life. Yeah. No. Good, good luck with that safe room. <laughs> <laughs> You can sit in your car. That's your safe room. And, and hope nobody rear-ends you while you're in there. <laughs> I heard that the first time, and I went, do what? You're going to college <laughs> to learn how to live in the real world, and they're going to put you in a safe room? <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> Get a job. <laughs> <laughs> what is about the silliest thing I've seen in a long time? So when you graduate from college, do they let you into that same safe room, or is that just for college, the, the people who are enrolled there? Yeah, I, I have no idea, Marty. I, when, you, when you leave college, you're gonna want that safe room, and you know, if, if, if your library card is expired, what are you gonna do? <laughs> or when your boss yells at you because he's having a bad day, and you you cry because he hurts your pitiful little feelings. You know what? Suck it up, Buttercup. <laughs> it's the real world. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> You know what we ought to do with them? This is, this is what we ought to do with these college kids. We ought to take them and put them on a construction crew with the rowdiest, meanest, nastiest Ooh. construction men. And my father and my brothers did construction, so I know what I'm talking about. They don't care. I hurt your feelings. Take it on down the road. Somebody gives a shit because I don't. <laughs> there you go. And oh, that's I, what you know what? I went to college. I, I didn't go to college straight out of high school, but I did go to um, college a few years back when I, you know, when I started writing again. And um, 
made the mistake of going to a university for a semester and ringing up an incredible bill, which we're still paying, and then figuring out, like a dummy, that uh, it's better to go to community college, get the, 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 the um, oh, what is that first degree? Associates. Associates. Get the associates in a community college and then go to a university. So I went to a community college, and there was, I'm afraid the kids, they follow whatever is in front of them because there yeah. was, I took a, a, a modern English lit class, and the professor there was what he, he called himself an aggressive agnostic, which, oh sorry, that, I, I don't know what that means other than you're an atheist, okay? That, call it what it is, it's, you're an atheist. And I'm very much not an atheist, but I don't, you know, I, don't, I, don't I, I share, but I don't push. Right. You know, people will, t- people will believe what they want to believe. That's one of the themes of mortal foe. People will believe what they want to believe. And these kids were sitting there because there was one agenda that was being pushed. It wasn't mine. There was one agenda that was being pushed in that classroom. They sat there, and I could see it in their eyes. They, they just hung on every word and you know, nodded their heads, some of them slowly, some of them not so... Uh, so you know, very quick agreement. Some just kind of like, oh yeah, okay, that makes sense. Hmm, okay, yeah. And they did. And they I, did not research their own to find no, their own answer. We were told to. We were told to um, think critically, but we're not taught to crank, think critically. And it, it got to the point where, after a few weeks, I said, okay, time for me to stand up for my faith. And I did. And I challenged this teacher. He didn't like it much. You know, but there there had to be another voice in that classroom saying, you know what, this guy's opinion is not necessarily correct. You know, it's his opinion. And here's another one for you to hear. <laughs> you know, and you figure and, it out. Weigh, weigh the two opinions and form your own critical oh, yeah. thinking. Well, it was a lively class, I'll tell you what. <laughs> <laughs> that takes me back years and years and years ago when I was in seventh grade. Now, in seventh grade, we had to read, are you ready for this? Truman Capote's In Cold Blood. Oh, in seventh grade? Goodness. In seventh grade. Okay. I read that book. Well, the teacher said, I want you to give your opinion which criminal was the most guilty. And she was very, very specific. Your opinion and tell me why. Now, I'm a very critical thinker. I did logic. I did pros and cons. So I wrote my paper. And in my opinion, the 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 most guilty was not the one that pulled the trigger and did the raping and pillaging. It was the one that did nothing. Uh, yeah. So I wrote that. She handed me the paperback and said, this isn't right. I said, excuse <laughs> me? Um, wait. <laughs> so oh, for I goodness re- sake. I rewrote the paper. This time I said, okay, they're both equally guilty. She handed me the paperback and said, no, this isn't right. She was... Um, Why was she asking for your opinion if she was going to say... It's not an opinion then. Right. It's It's her reality. She wanted me to agree with her. But I didn't agree with her. Because I did my own thinking, and I knew right then that wherever I was and whatever job I held and whatever school I went to, whatever grade I was in, that it was always going to be an ongoing battle because people didn't really want my opinion. They said they did, but they really wanted me to agree with them. Yeah, yeah. And I said, no. Boy, it's, it, it's really frightening what's being taught in schools. Well, that's well, within the, in the 60s. <laughs> Good gravy. I'm oh, 7 years old. I was 12, 13 years old then. So that was over, what, 50 years ago, 40 years ago? Wow. And she, she wanted my, her opinion. Well, if you want your opinion, you write the stupid paper. <laughs> <laughs> Give yourself a B. You know, I'm generous. Exactly. It's, you're, <laughs> oh goodness gracious! <laughs> so, so, so this is why we call this show off the chain, Marty, because your opinion, your opinion is your opinion. 
And while others may agree to disagree, we can do it cheerfully and politely and agree to disagree. <laughs> well, you know, and that's the thing. The kids that I work with at Starbucks, and they are all kids. I'm, I'm, I'm grandpa. Oh, I just got my my AARP card. Uh, they oh, they finally convinced me to get <laughs> to get my card. <laughs> and you know, and I'm working with 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 kids that could be my grandkids. You know, and that's fine. I have no problem with that. In fact, I run circles around a couple of them. They're a little lazy. Anyway, uh, I'm not ma- I'm not mentioning names either. I'm not going to do that. But but we have disagreements, and not. I mean, I don't mean fights. I mean differences of opinion. And, and that's, that's okay. okay. It's all fine. You know, we have a disagreement of opinion. If it's if it comes up in conversation. You know, we just say, okay, we, we disagree, and we walk away, and nothing, nothing much comes of it other than that, other than us walking away and thinking a little bit about somebody else's opinion. That's it. It's not a fight. Oh, it's one of the things I hate no. about Facebook. I just detest Facebook when it gets into the, uh, the, the, the screeching and the yelling and the crying all in print and in pictures about <laughs> this or that, and this person is evil because they believe that, or that person is a jerk because they believe this, or blah, blah, blah. you know blah. why and they do that? You know why they do anti-social that? anti-social media. And, and it's because they do not have the um, research, the verbiage, the intellect, I'm not saying intelligence, but the intellect to back up their opinion. Now, when when I differ with someone, when we have a difference of opinion, I am so evil because what I do is I say, okay, let's think about it this way. What if or how about? And then I throw out this this sentence, and it makes it's not a yes or no answer. They have to think it through before because if they spout off an answer, they wind up looking foolish. So yeah, they yeah. have to think about it, and more times than not, they don't have an answer. That's I, I and I love that. I love that because it's it, we have been given brains for a reason. You know, not to let them just go soft and turn into mush up there. You know, and not to just accept whatever is put in front of us by whomever wants to put it in front of us for whatever reason they want to put it in front of us. Right. We have brains to think. That's what we've been giving them for. I have so much debating with people. It tickles me to death because (laughs) what happens is when they start getting snarky because – they can't. They don't get up early enough for one thing. When they start getting snarky, I fall back on my southern politeness and I'll say, "Well, bless your heart, honey. You are entitled to your opinion. Go with God." <laughs> That's. And what more can you do? Well, I've just totally insulted them, and they didn't know it unless they're from the south. Oh, and they yeah. go, Oh shit. <laughs> well, ha- having lived in the south, I know exactly what you're saying. <laughs> Oh, I had a, I had a woman once. Oh my gosh! I was working for my uh, my first wife's uncle, selling computer office software for chiropractors, and this was really early stuff. This is in the in the early '90s, so it was stuff that was pretty much in its infancy and very specific for chiropractors. And my job was only to call uh, um, offices and find out what uh, uh, whether we can get my uh, uh, my uncle-in-law, I guess into the office to talk with them. That was all I had to do. I didn't have to sell any of the software. He had to do that. My job was to get his foot in the door. And I had called this. There were 2,000-plus chiropractors in the Atlanta area alone at that time. Uh-huh. And I had called this one, uh, <laughs> this one chiropractor's office, and an old, old lady answered. I could tell she was old. You can, you can tell from the voice. Usually, uh, not always, but usually. But I could tell she she was old, and I started with my sales pitch, and she stopped me, and she said, "Excuse me, y'all talking Yankee at me." <laughs> and I, 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 I'm, I'm, excuse me, what? She said, and then she just put an edge to it. She said, "Y'all talking Yankee at me," and I said. <laughs> 
Well, bless your heart. I was speaking English. I didn't mean to confuse you, but have a nice day. <laughs> and that was obviously not a sale. But <laughs> I, I, I had learned early on what bless your heart could and more often than not did mean. So. Yes, it can be an insult or a compliment or, or, mm-hmm. an, or an empathic statement, depending on the context of the conversation. <laughs> it's, and you have to be real careful. You have to be real careful. Yep. <laughs> well, that's, oh. that's one of the things what I was really concerned about when I was writing Mortal Foe. Um, and I had conversations about this with my wife, with, with Becky, who is just super smart, and uh, with my um, with my small group leaders at church, and I, I wanted to make sure that I wasn't. I mean, my my faith is in the book; it's there. But I didn't want it to be in such a way that somebody's just going to push it away and say, "Well, this is stupid. I don't I don't agree with this." I wanted to I wanted it to be something that somebody that, that people think about, right? You know, that they think critically about. And and then and then they can decide for themselves which way they want to right. go. Give them a chance to look at that, and you know if they, you know if they come to faith, if somebody came to faith through this book, and I don't sell another copy, I count that as a victory. That's a win. You know, um, if nobody comes to faith through it, and I sell a bunch of copies, well, okay, it's a victory. I hope for something more, but you know, I leave it all in God's hands. You know, I do and, what I do. I do the work that he's put in front of me, and I leave it up to him because ultimately everything we do is his. Everything we have is yes. his. Um, Including ourselves. Yes. Yeah. You know, I do my best, and I leave it I leave it to God. And that, boy, believe me, I, I, I didn't always think that way. And that caused a great deal of stress and harm when I didn't. You know, when I would just push and push and push, and um, when I didn't get what I was trying to, what I was pushing for, uh, oh gosh, depression and anger and uh, mm-hmm. drinking and just bad behavior and all kinds of bad things came out of that. And I don't have that anymore, and I cannot even tell you how liberating that is, how freeing that is. And it's because you understand that there is always a larger plan. Mm-hmm. Yes, and, and and our plan may not be part of that larger plan, and we have to be willing to step back and understand that there is a bigger plan. Yes, and, and the way the way it. I look at it is, this is the the world is God's novel. It's His book, and every mm-hmm. life that has been in the past, every life that is now, and every life that will come over the whole earth is just this collection of characters every one of us a character in this book and every one of us having something to do for the through line of the of the plot and it's a plot that we can't possibly understand because there are billions of them mm-hmm. but we each have a part to play we're each part of this novel this this book that he is creating this 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 gigantic work we're all part of the chapter that we're living in right now, we're all part of that. And there are going to be chapters and, to come. And, and we have to be willing to understand that it's not always going to be pretty. Yeah, no, no. And that's because the, because of the very beginning. You know? Yeah. It's, it, it started out pretty, and then somebody <laughs> kind of gummed it up a little bit. And. <laughs> When we create, when we write something, and by the way, I want, I want, I'm going to get a new book because that fascinates me. Um, the, the the commercial that I heard uh, on oh, the break. Oh, Matt Hatter. Yes, I'm. I, I have to get that. When uh, when we write something, when we create a new work, drama. If, if there is no drama in it, if there's not something that is at its core ugly or disturbing or if there's no problem inherent somewhere there, you don't have a story. And you also don't grow. No. No. And and speaking of growing, guess what, my friend? 
We're running oh, out goodness. of time. Yeah. <laughs> An hour passed already. Oh, gracious. I would you coming back, right? Will you come back in January? Will you have a new book out by then? I hope to have a new book, if not a uh, if not a new short story. Um, I'm working on the sequel to Mortal Foe right now, but it's slow going because, again, marketing takes up some uh, quite a bit of time. And yeah, I'm going to be talking with you about that too. But okay. uh, it's it's the marketing and it's the working the uh, the uh, close to 40 hour work week at Starbucks. So it leaves precious little. But I have to learn how to carve out time better because Even if it's uh, two this. Minutes. Yeah, yeah, because this uh, this sequel is bubbling on the back burner. I want to bring it up front. Well, tell the folks where Mortal Foe can be found, where you can be found, and I want you to come back in January because it's, I'm telling you, it was preordained. Thank you for being on here tonight. You have no idea how much fun I've had. Oh, I had a blast, as I did last time. Thank you so much, Yvonne. You're, you're you're absolutely precious to me, and I, I appreciate you having me on. Uh, Mortal Foe can be found at Amazon.com. It's in paperback form. It's also uh, uh, as a uh, an ebook, and I am working on in my spare time <laughs> turning it <laughs> into a, a, an audio book. So I hope to have that ready for uh, the public. Gosh, Sweet. in a couple months. Well, speaking of audio books. The Mad Hatter is is being turned into an audio book by a, a gentleman by the name of Susan Williams, and he is a Londoner mm. because oh. I waited. I waited on purpose to have this book turned because I did not want an American book because it's set in East, Eastern of London, 1888. And mm. when he – and I'm doing it through – Kindle, and when he read for the audition, that was the voice that has been in my head for four years. Oh, gosh. That's, well, again, preordination, you know? Yeah, I, I agree with it very, very much so, because he is absolutely amazing. So oh, it, that's it terrific. Will be coming It'll be coming out shortly. I, I can't wait. I just every time he sends me chapters, chills run up and down my spine. I forget oh, that awesome. I get so into the book, I forget I've written it. <laughs> That's terrific. That's wonderful. So, ladies and gentlemen, we are at the end of our. Please go get Marty's book. It's under Marty Roplet, R O P P E L T, on Amazon. That is Mortal Foe. It is a fantastic book, and he is one wonderful, fantastic author, human being, and I am so glad that he comes on this show. And yes, he is a regular. He will come back in January. And all of you know that at the end of every show, I, I give a few words of inspiration, and I, I try very, very hard to live by. One of them is this. People will forget what you look like. They will forget your name, but they will never, ever, ever forget how you've made them feel. And it is my heartfelt, soul-felt hope that each of you know and understand that you're the most important person in the room with me. All 2,000, 100,000 of you, 200,000 plus of you, you all are the most important people in the room. I appreciate you and I love you all. And I pray for you nightly. And also, ladies and gentlemen, if you want to achieve greatness, please stop asking permission. And I'm not talking about being the richest person in the world money wise. I'm not talking about being the president of the United States. So if that's what you want to do, do it. I'm talking about greatness in yourself. Go out and do it. Don't ask permission because most people don't want to achieve greatness. They just want to be like a ripple on the lake. They just go wherever the, the wind blows them. Achieve greatness and understand that we all are on a journey. And that journey is sometimes tumultuous. So be kind to each other. Be kind to yourselves. Love your children. Love your parents. Honor your parents, no matter how bad you think they are, because it's all you have. And when they're gone, you can never get them back. So with that being said, I want to say thank each and every one of you for joining us tonight. We will be back tomorrow night at 8 o'clock Eastern Daylight Time here at Off the Chain with another wonderful guest. I want to thank Marty for joining us. He is always such a pleasure to talk to. I I don't even make notes with this man anymore because I have no idea where we're going when he's on the show. We go everywhere. It's wonderful. It's Off the Chain. It is Off the Chain. So with that being said, ladies and gentlemen, 
This is Off the Chain. I am your host, Yvonne Mason, with my guest, author Marty M. Rocklet. Go get his book, Mortal Foe, and we will see you again tomorrow night at 8 o'clock Eastern Daylight Time. Good night, everyone. Okay. We're off the air, but of course, everything okay. we talk about now will go up into the archive show. But I wanted to let oh, you sure, know sure. that I will, when when we get off from here and this thing archives, I'm going to put it on my page and, of course, tag you in it. Put it on your Facebook page. Put it on your website. Put it on your Amazon page. Put it everywhere. Then right, tomorrow, right. when I post it on all the podcasts, I'll also put those links up and you put that everywhere because it does get results. I mean, what? what People hear, people listen to us in India, in Japan, in Iran, in China, in Egypt, in Jordan, in Transylvania. Oh, yeah. Believe it or not. You're, yes, yeah. You told me last time. You're, you're. Well, you are everywhere, and it's a wonderful yeah, thing. Yes. <laughs> so some, some of your relatives are probably listening to us in Romania now. Going, oh it's yes, very I know. Possible. See, it's very possible. <laughs> and they will go and buy your book. <laughs> Yeah, we'll keep pushing. Um, um, do you have spaces open in January? Or, uh, I do. Yeah, I do. Okay. I do, do. I'll send you a couple of dates and you tell me which ones you want. Okay. Yeah, that'd be terrific. I would love to do that. And okay. uh, I will make sure. See, now, this is a good uh, impetus for me because uh, it's a good little kick in the butt. I will have to have something ready for you. Absolutely. <laughs> I will have to have something written. I've got I've to be better at carving out the time. See, and you can say, if I don't, Yvonne's not going to be happy with me, and she's going to rake me over the coals and embarrass me in front of everybody, and I'll have to <laughs> I, I take it. I don't need it. to see those monkeys flying that night in January. <laughs> I'll have to suck it up and take it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. We're we're praying for you. We we Thank love you. you. We're, we're, we, we have you in our thoughts and prayers, both Becky and me. And, and she says hi, by the way. She's so impressed yeah, with right. that. Uh, with, with with your uh, with your work here. Well, tell her I said thank you for sparing you and letting me have you for an hour. I appreciate it because I know y'all have precious little time together, and I appreciate her giving up an hour of her time very very much for for this uh, show. I'll pass that along. I'll pass that along. It was this was absolutely wonderful, and uh, I well I expected it to be wonderful. I was not let down. <laughs> <laughs> and the hour flew by like it always does. It sure did. My goodness. I mean. Well, and it, that's what happens with a great conversation, though. Yes. You just lose track of the time. You know, and you're so into and the conversation, and you're so focused on what's going on, and, and it's a, it's such a it's such a strong connection that you just don't pay attention to the time. No, that's a great conversation. And and how did you enjoy hearing your ad being run? I think I owe you ten bucks. Um, <laughs> I, I thought it I thought it finished running. Um, uh, at the end of July, but um, I yeah, and I do time. want to run it for the rest of this month, so I'm going to send you another okay. time. But uh, right. I was very, I was very pleased with that, and a little bit surprised. I thought it sounded pretty good. Why were you surprised? Well, it's so a good I'm, 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 I'm pleased with that. And see, it, Did John, the ads also follow all the podcasts, part of the show. Yeah, yeah. Did, did John Jones run an ad with you? John for, Jones. Um, yeah, he John Isaac Jones. He, did, he he ran. I'm I'm running what he sent me, but he didn't run the MP3. Okay, because I think what was the oh the Duck Springs affair. I don't I don't know if yeah. he uh, he sent you an ad for that or not. Well, that was the first one he sent me that I read, but he he didn't send an MP3 one. Oh, uh, okay. Because I had done an I had done an ad for him, and I think he uh, was. Not as pleased, not as pleased with it as he wanted to be. I don't know. Oh. But, you know, give it, give it a shot. It's the right. old filmmaking, which I learned in Atlanta, by the way. Uh, of I, I studied at a place called Warehouse Actors Theater. That um, we had wonderful classes. We had an excellent teacher, and uh, we we made a movie that was just horrible. <laughs> but you learned something. I mean, but but. We walked away, I think each and every one of us walked away with a lot of knowledge, a lot of working knowledge in filmmaking, and that uh, that's really kind of helped a lot of people. So yeah. <laughs> the movie was a bomb, but okay, you know, the rest of it, we're, we're, I'm 
very pleased with. Well, even in your worst experiences, if you've learned something, it was not a bad experience. Well, and if you didn't learn something, then it was a terrible experience. Exactly. Uh, we should so, we should be learning something from everything that happens. Absolutely. And with that, I'm gonna with that bit of wisdom, I am going to go see about my dear husband who. Um, God bless you. He's not doing well at all. Well, you you hang in there. You're uh, and you and Jack are in our prayer, in our prayers, and you. You take care, and we'll. Um, I'll, I'll be in touch with you on on Facebook on anti-social media. And, uh, <laughs> we'll get you out there, honey. We'll think outside the box. What well, box? thank you there so much. <laughs> box, box. That's what that's what my cat goes in. And there you go. <laughs> <laughs> you take care of yourself. Take care of Jack. All right. Talk All right. to you later, honey. All right. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye bye.